Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Howdy, y'all. It's another episode of the O Show podcast. It's episode 503. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by Floyd Money Mayweather, the champ on your screen right now, ladies and gentlemen, formulated with the perfect combination of boxing, strength, and cardio conditioning intervals designed to make you look good, feel good, and leave you with more than just a great sweat. Head on down to Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, AZ. We're also brought to you by betonline.ag you can sign up for that 50% bonus at betonline.ag by using the promo code capital BLEAV50 for that 50% bonus we're also presented by Eat Clean Phoenix out here in the desert you can call that number on the screen right now ladies and gentlemen 602-573-7643 for your order Arizona's number one meal delivery service Tuesday through Thursday. Also, we want to give a quick shout out to uh, State 48 as well. Head on over to state48.com for all the latest merch uh, here in the heart of the Valley of the Sun. We got a special guest for you in studio today. Penn State, UMass, All-American tight end. What, three-time All-American tight end? It it depends who you ask. (laughs) Host of the Brenneman Show. He's an Avalon, New Jersey vacationer. Yes, sir. Adam Brenneman, man. Glad we got to do this. Good to be here, man. I appreciate it. You've been all over the place. Yeah, I've been been doing shows in Delaware, back east. I've been traveling. I was in in a five day span. I was in uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and New Jersey. Flew to Fort Lauderdale and then back to back to Phoenix. So it's a lot of. Do you like Rehoboth Beach? Yeah, been been to Rehoboth. So my family vacations in Rehoboth, but uh, Avalon's my place. So that's. Did you enjoy growing up in Pennsylvania, or was it more of like I got to get out of here once we're out? I I liked it. I thought I was going to be there for a while. The only reason I came out here was when Arizona State hired me. So that was kind of when, when I got the coaching job out here, I'd never even heard of Scottsdale. Yeah. And I just flew across the country on like a week's notice and moved here. And then, and I love it now. I want to, hopefully going to be here for a while. I honestly think Scottsdale and the whole Phoenix area is the place to be right now, especially if really you're like business oriented. Especially and after you're COVID. To succeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the weather's perfect, but there's a lot of great connections yeah. out here. There's a lot of great um, people moving out here. The community's awesome. Yeah. And you can't beat the Sun Devils, man. Yeah, it's it's such a cool place to live. I mean, there's so many, it, so many people are moving here right now that it's you know it's like such a hot time to be in Scottsdale or at yeah. least in the Phoenix area. So many cool things to do. You're never bored. The weather's great. I just wish there, I'm a beach guy, so I wish there was a little closer to the beach. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's Av- why I fly back to Philly to drive do the hour drive to Avalon. Dude, you know? Avalon. We've been vacated. Like my parents vacationed there back in like the 80s. We've been doing it ever, ever since as kids and cousins yeah. growing up. So it's like a huge family vacation. Yeah. I kind of wish I had the picture of it right now. But all Jersey, all Bostonians. Every single year, we just flip off the camera. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Like literally, like the two year olds, my grandma. Yeah. You know, like everybody's. Yeah. Like, I, I always say, it. like that, like strip in New Jersey of like Sea Isle, Avalon, Stone Harbor is like one of my favorite places in the world. Stone like, Harbor, so, such a cool place to be. Like Stone Harbor is an awesome place to be because yeah. I mean they got all the shops and it's just yeah. it's like a twenty minute drive down the road. Yeah. It's like it's like you go like younger to older as you go down the Sea Isle, Avalon, yeah. Stone Harbor. What, what street did you? have a house on well so me and my buddies would rent a house yeah. every summer so i couldn't even tell you like where we used to be a different one every summer we'd rent it for like you know whatever the memorial day to like the end of the summer you know oh, so wow. 
we would do the whole the whole uh, you know like three month span. That's the way to do it. But it was though, especially always some, some shitty house. We'd be like sleeping like you know fourteen dudes in like a four bedroom house. You know, so but it was it was always a fun time. As long as you were able to afford the bills, though. Yeah. Like we always pick the same house every year. I'm like, yeah. I want to mix it up. Like no we're down the shore, like let's make yeah. it interesting. But, yeah, no, it was you fun. You know, growing up, were you always um always like the big I want to say you were a jock, you know, because yeah. that, that that can be like misconstrued yeah. like jocks and nerds and everything. But like you were big guy football player, I'm sure in high yeah. school, leading up to getting uh, the gig with Penn State. For sure, yeah, I I wasn't you know I wasn't really the most athletic until I hit like 14 years old oh, when really? I you know I was super big and clumsy like I could barely like walk without tripping over myself uh, all the time. And then once I hit high school, I started to like you know become more coordinated, realize I could catch the ball pretty well and. Um, it kind of took off from there, but I was always a big dude. I mean, since I was, you know, a little kid, I was always tall and um, used to be really skinny and now, you know, gained weight then in college, but it used to be an issue of like, I was too skinny all the time. So I used to have to gain weight and now it's the, now it's the opposite. Now I'm trying to lose weight and it's, yeah. and it's harder to lose weight. You, know? mm, you ever like, try the uh, Gomad diet? No, what's that? It was a gallon of milk a day. Really? I did that. I'm anti-dairy right now, so I can't do that. Yet. It's awful. <laughs> I, I don't know why anybody would do it. I don't know. Like if you want to gain weight, 25 pounds in 25 days by the yeah. end of the month, Gomad gallon of milk a day. I did it in uh, my senior year in high school. Didn't gain anything. I have the fastest metabolism <laughs> in the world. But if anything, my stamina was gone. Yeah. Like I had nothing left. I didn't yeah, want to get out tired, of bed. I'm yeah. like, this sucks. I, I used to like, when I was in high school trying to gain weight, I would do the same kind of thing. Not whole milk or not a gallon of milk, but yeah. I would do like very strict, like making sure I'm hitting a certain amount of calories to the point where like I was almost like gagging on my food by the end of the day because I was eating so much food. You know, like just mm. just... Just getting down, like every class in high school, I'd eat a different different uh, snack bar, yeah. like massive lunches. But it was a it's a dedication you take to try to gain weight. You know, it's so difficult. Yeah. To, I mean, you did it, you know, yeah. and obviously you had the size to begin with. Was there pressure on you to play sports early on? I, I just naturally like started playing sports. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my um, my parents kind of kept me out of football a little longer than I wanted. I wanted to play earlier. Uh, my dad played football in college, so I wanted to play tight end and like he did and. Um, but they kind of held me out until I think I was like in middle school when I started playing. So, um, but you know, I'm glad that they kind of made me wait till I did. They didn't want me to be like eight years old banging my head against people. Right. You know? So, so no. I, I think, I think it worked out. The, the no, I, I, I played through peewee like two years. Yeah. Uh, Any MC, good? MCL good? injury in peewee. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Like last two weeks in practice, like, you yeah. know, at the end of practice, you have like the practice squad yeah. scrimmage. Freaking, yeah, two I've weeks. never heard of an like MCL and Pee Wee. That's like <laughs> 10 years old, yeah. <laughs> you were going right? crazy, huh? Yeah. I Literally, I, I I was probably the worst athlete in the world, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. I had no business being out there. Yeah. But it was, it's it a good was thing you can experience. talk well, then. You know, I know, good. right? I always knew in the back of my head, I think I yeah. think I could analyze yeah. this stuff pretty sure. well. You know, it's worked out well so far, but yeah. who knows? Awesome. Who, all it takes is one vocal cord to go out. And no doubt. The dream's you're over. Done. <laughs> you're done, right? For sure. So at what age did you realize, like, I'm going to, like, it's, a reality now that you're going to go to the next level in college as opposed to just being a dream. Yeah. I mean, I think it was probably like my freshman year of high school. I like started to play really well. Um, After my sophomore year is when I started to get recruited. So uh, my high school head coach, a guy named Jim Contafio brought me and my family. in as a freshman, I just finished my freshman season. He sat me and my parents down and he said, uh, he said, I'm telling you right now, like Adam will be one of the highest recruited 
kids in the country. Like, he's going to be a national recruit. And I was like, me? Like, yeah. I, I had no offers at the time. And he just was like, I'm telling you, like, when he, you know, come next year, like, he's going to have offers from everyone in the country. It's going to be crazy. Like, it's going to be a crazy process. And I didn't really believe him. I, I mean, I, I, I thought I was going to be good, but, like, that's kind of – that was ridiculous. And then after my sophomore season, sure enough, like, I, my first offer was, like, Boston College – Offer, just called and or I think I was I took a visit they offered me there that was my first offer and then like Temple offered me in Pennsylvania which is like a small yeah, school yeah, yeah. and then like one day Notre Dame comes to the school and offers me and once Notre Dame offered me like it opened the floodgates and it was just like a crazy whirlwind of the next two years for recruiting it's funny like being on the east coast all those small schools that you mentioned like, yeah. yeah I know Temple of course. yeah for sure but no, no one else really knows Temple other than the uh, east coast people no, that, yeah. that's got to be exciting for you though because yeah. now your confidence is probably at an all-time high you're ready to go you're ready to prove people where yeah. you belong it kind of it's crazy stage. how it like changes your life overnight especially for someone I was 15 years old yeah. you know and and you think about even like in today's football like you have kids getting recruited so young and and uh, it's just tough to deal with, you know, in the, in the moment it's great, but you really end up um, believing a lot of your own hype, you know, and that's what happened to me. Like, not, a, not necessarily a bad thing, but like, I, I just, everyone tells you how great you are. I mean, that's all that you hear for your whole high school career, because every college coach who's talking to you tells you you're amazing. You're going to come here and be an All-American. You're going to play in the NFL. Like, we love you. You're the best thing ever. Like as you're getting recruited, everyone in your high school thinks you're the freaking man because you're getting offered right. by everyone. You're so, a big fish in a so small you get a pond. really big ego when yeah. you're really not prepared at 15, 16, 17 years old to handle that kind of attention. And and uh, you know, I, I it took some setbacks for me to like get leveled back down and realize that like okay, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. Like you just got to kind of be consistent all the time. But that I see it even when I was coaching. Like I I saw it all the time with kids that like we'd be recruiting who were. 16 years old who just thought that they were the greatest thing since life. I mean, bread. when you're 15, 16 years old, like, yeah. you really haven't had that many experiences. Not at all. Like, when your highs are high, you're like, I'm the man. That's it. You're like, yeah. That's how life is. I'm, everyone tells me how great I, great I am every day. And the teachers in class tell me do whatever I want because I'm, I'm the big recruit that, is gonna, that has offers to go everywhere. So uh, it's definitely an interesting dynamic just to think of. Like, and yeah. I lived it, and I also have witnessed it a lot with a lot of kids. It's you're just, just like a, a big fish in a small pond. So sure. it was probably the biggest culture shock training day, like literally when you got sure. to camp, and you're like, oh, I'm, oh you, I'm average. You get to college, and you realize, like, I'm not very good anymore. Yeah. yeah. Not, not only are you average, but no one cares anymore about what you did in high school. Like very, very yeah. early on in college, I realized that, like, I was a five-star recruit in high school. N not a single person at Penn State cared how many stars I had in high school. No. It was just all a blank slate. Like you got to go prove yourself all over again. And it was, where was your confidence at starting out? Like, were you kind of like up and down? Like, okay, I'm not as good as I thought I was, but at the same time, like I have to prove myself. Like the motivations there, the yeah. adrenaline's there. Like, where was your head at? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, um, I think I struggled with confidence early on in my career because I think I. It, this is kind of analysis, like looking back on it. I think I got a lot of my validation as a high school kid from like the outside, you know, from yeah. people telling you how great you are. That then when you get there, you're kind of like, and people stop telling you how great you are. You got to really believe in yourself that like, okay, I am as good as everyone says I am. Um, and I struggled with that early. I mean, I had a, I had a lot of success as a freshman at Penn State. Um, I had some ups and downs. Like as a freshman at Penn State, I, you know, made some big plays. Was a freshman All American. Um, but still had some, like, I got benched in the middle of the season, like, had some bad plays. Like, yeah. freshmen are, you know, I was young and kind of immature and just kind of, like, doubting if I belonged on the same field as all those guys. You know, no one knew I was doubting right, that. But right, deep right, down, right. you're like, man, like, am I am I good enough to be here? Um, 
but you know, overcame that pretty quickly. But it's just that's the whole dynamic again. You listen, everyone tells you how great you are in high school. You get to college, and it's just a whole different game. You know? And you're not just playing for some rinky-dink program either. You're, exactly. You're, you're a Nittany yeah. Line man. Yeah. Like it's big time football. Yeah. <laughs> like what's yeah. going through your head? Like what was like the uh, off the field stuff like? Like being a part of the football program. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, you know, what made it also crazier than just a normal uh, a normal like Penn State player is. I went there in the middle of the Jerry Sandusky scandal at Penn State. So not only was I a Penn State football player, but I was a Penn State football player that stuck with Penn State during the scandal. So all the fans and everyone was like beloved or just loved us because like we and me and some of the other guys in that recruiting class like went to Penn State in the middle of that scandal. Um, so people were really thankful for that because a lot of people were like, why would you go to Penn State when they're about to get sanctions? I mean, that was now like, 10 years ago, but I mean, I'm sure you remember like the whole scandal that went on there with, with uh, every, I mean, just everything. It was a bad time um, for in Penn State's history, but we, we decided to still go. So it was a really unique time to be there as well because there was so much media attention. Like the news was always talking about Penn State. Uh, it was just really kind of a, a crazy time, but it was, it was, but that just added to like the off the field part where like everyone knows your name. You know, you're, you're going to class and people are like stopping you, like saying, like, hey, good luck this week, man. Like people you don't even know. You know, you're going out at night. We would go out yeah. as, like, players, and, like, you're going to, like, a frat party, and, like, there's guys, like, wearing your jerseys at the frat parties. You know, it's just, like, you got to be – it's such a small town there. you got to really be – you know, make sure you're on top of it at all times. And if you don't – if you're not, you know, you can slip pretty easily. I mean, that, that in and of itself, like, right before we came on, I'm like, I hope we don't talk about anything controversial. Like, it's crazy. We were, like, right, like, in the thick of things mm-hmm. as soon as all that was going down. Poor Joe, who was literally yeah. admired as one of the greatest college coaches ever – Got all of his stuff taken away yeah. after that, and then shortly after passed away because yeah. he got sick. Such a crazy situation. Like, almost, like night and day. Yeah. yeah. Some, what, what year were you? Was it like as you were coming So in? I was um, – so the scandal broke in 2012, I believe. I was um, – the scandal broke before I committed to Penn State, so I was still in high school. And then um, Joe Pa had just like – was on his way out um, – or had just gotten like removed from being yeah. head coach. He got fired um, when I was in high school. They hired Bill O'Brien to be the head coach, yeah. who then went on to go coach for the Houston Texans. I committed to play for Bill O'Brien, so that was kind of when I was in there. And then after that, after I committed, the sanctions came out, and the NCAA announced that um, you know Penn State couldn't play in bowl games. They were losing all these scholarships that any player at Penn State could transfer and leave. It was like a essentially a death penalty for Penn State football. They tried to ruin the program. Um, but I, we decided to still go there, so that was kind of like added to the whole dynamic, and it was such a such a unique it, it, like time to be there. You just mentioned the controversial part. The interesting thing for me and like for the other kids in my recruiting class, being as young as we were, I was at I went to Penn State when I was seventeen. Um, was just like the sensitivity of the situation that we were in. I mean, yeah. and just like we would obviously get asked about it a lot and talk about it a lot, but just. It wasn't just like any scandal. Like it was like some really serious stuff that was going on at Penn State. Like that, that is like disgusting stuff. So like it was like tough for us to talk about at such a young age, you know, because it was such a sensitive subject as well. Mm. I mean, I, I forget most of those details, but looking back at it, and I, like if that happened today, I think obviously the repercussions would yeah. be huge. But for sure, when you look at what happened, obviously with Jerry, it was kept under wraps by multiple. Coaches on the coaching staff, mm-hmm. including Joe, right? Yeah. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. Like, it was never even confirmed, but they still took away Yeah, I don't even him. know all the details of it. I mean, it was really, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, different stories of, like, what Joe was told and what he wasn't told or what details yeah. he was told or, 
Um, you know, it's just a it, it's just a sad story. I mean, Joe meant so much to that university and um, had done so much good for a lot of people. And even like being a kid from Pennsylvania who like adored Joe Paterno uh, my whole my whole life, it was just such a crazy time. I mean, just to see someone like fall that fast um, when he was you know he was Penn State and really it's a good example of like how powerful the media is. I mean, the media really like attacked Joe and that whole thing when really, I mean, he wasn't the, really the focus of it at all. I mean, in the, in the grand jury report that came out, I mean, Joe's name was mentioned like one or two times in the whole thing. And it was all, you know, he, he was just like a little glimpse of it, but that was what the media ran with. And, and, you know, I'm sure that Joe, I think his like, I think he said like in hindsight, I wish I would have done more. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that, you know, he could have done more, but it's just such a, such a crazy thing, to, crazy subject to even dive like, into. Do you, you, know? do you even like think that it was an accurate thing to take away all of their postseason hopes and obviously all the accolades is an entirely different thing in its own yeah. right, but do you think it was too harsh of a punishment? Like Sandusky's gone for life, right? Yeah, like, I think the hard part was like the NCAA, which has a lot of issues on its own, um, was basically punishing all the kids that were on the team currently that had nothing to do with this 20 years ago when it happened. Yeah. So, like, all the kids on the team, like, guys like me, like, they, they said, like, okay, we can't play in a bowl game. We're going to lose all these scholarships. We're going to lose X, Y, Z. They tried to ruin our program, but it was really – it was affecting no one who actually was at fault. It was affecting the people that had nothing to do with it. Uh, and I get the youth to punish the institution, like, when things like that happen, yeah. but – um, the NCAA actually came out and like reversed their sanctions against Penn State, so they took them away then and said that we shouldn't have done that. Um, basically, saying that it, it wasn't there were there wasn't an NCAA rule violation essentially, mm-hmm. in that in that um, we're going to give the the we're going to allow the team to play in bowl games, do all that kind of stuff. So that was a big big moment for like us when we were there. I remember when Coach Franklin, our head coach, uh, came in and told us that they the sanctions are gone, we can now go to bowl games. It was a pretty cool moment. Um, but yeah, just so many different facets to that to that. You know that time. I mean, I can only imagine. And how long were you there before UMass came into the? Picture? I was at I was at Penn State for uh, three years. So I okay. was at Penn State twenty fifteen to twenty. Or I'm sorry, twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen, and then tra- uh, thought I was done playing football, and then transferred to UMass for my final yeah. two years, which is really where like my career took off at UMass. Did, so did you get fifth year eligibility? Like yeah, so I redshirted for okay. for a year. So I redshirted at Penn State, um, which gave me you know two more full seasons at UMass, which was which was cool. I was able to get my master's degree when I was there. So. It was a it was a cool time. Probably a completely different culture too. Oh, completely. Like different. you're what, you're close to Pittsburgh at Penn State. Yeah, you're you're like you're probably like three hours or actually probably two hours outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, complete. I mean, UMass football versus Penn State football is like completely different yeah. world. You know, so that was a that was a interesting dynamic. And after kind of three shit. years of being at such a big program with yeah. everything that you had to endure and experience both on and off the field there, yeah. you know, unintentionally, you know, yeah. probably going to UMass, you're probably confident, like new start, you know, new teammates, yeah. probably going to be a, a little bit of a culture shock at first, but like, did you fit in nicely there? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was good. It was, I think it's exactly what I needed at that point in my career. I mean, you know, I had been such a highly rated recruit going to Penn State, had yeah. a lot of success early on in my career, and then had, had a lot of adversity. There were the, the two seasons after my freshman year at Penn State, I didn't play. I was hurt for two years in a row. So when I left Penn State, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I wasn't sure if I was going to keep playing football, if I was going to, like, go get a job. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was only 20 years old. Um, and I think UMass was a perfect way for me to, like, have a comeback and to kind of get, like, off the grid – 
like get a little bit away from like my hometown right. school, away from the Penn State media. You know, that was, you know, every day there was a new story like about my knee or like what was going on. Just get away from all that and go to UMass where I had some connections. My high school quarterback was playing there. Um, the head coach is a guy I know really well. So it was kind of a perfect fit for me to go there and, and kind of rejuvenate my career and it ended up working out. I mean, you probably got to play with a ton of just like different type of dynamic players that you didn't yeah. get to probably play with at Penn State, given that you were under so much scrutiny and at the same time competing against other huge programs. Yeah. Where at UMass, things were a lot more laid back. Yeah, yeah, it was a little, it, just very different dynamics in the program. I mean, uh, just the kind of, like you said, the kind of guys you recruit, where you recruit. Um, you know, at UMass, because it's not a Penn State, you know, it's big-time football, but it's not big-time, big-time football. You, a lot of times when when you get players at UMass, you got to sacrifice somewhere in order to get a kid. Like, oh, yeah. you either get a kid that's, like, really, really, a really, really good player and really athletic, but, like, maybe has a couple issues off the field or maybe doesn't have very good grades. Or you get a kid that's, like, not that athletic, but, like, great locker room guy, like, really smart. Like, where Penn State, you're getting kids that are really athletic, really good kids, and really good grades, you know? So yeah. they don't have to sacrifice anywhere. So at UMass, it was really a unique mix of, like, different people and people from all over the – all over the world. Uh, really, we were, we were recruiting in Germany. I mean, they were getting kids from everywhere to go to UMass just trying to find guys that could play. I mean, it's, it's not an easy place to – I mean, not a lot of people want to go to Massachusetts to play football. You know, mm. it's like a kind of a unique place to recruit to. You know, it's kind of it's not, kind of off the grid a little bit. That's interesting. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. True. 20 years in Foxborough, man. But that's interesting. I feel like you always had it in the back of your head, like you were wired to be a coach almost. Yeah. Like you, you – how – Big of a gap was it after you graduated that you knew that you wanted to pursue something like that? Yeah, I mean, it was probably um, it was probably within the year after I stopped playing, I knew that I wanted to be around football somehow. Yeah. So I actually I started working in politics when I stopped. Um, really? When I stopped playing football, so I um, I worked in politics for like two years, um, which was cool and was really on like the campaign side of things was like helping candidates run campaigns on like the media PR side, um, you know, branding, that kind of stuff. So I was working on that for, for a couple of years and knew I, I missed football. I got into like the media stuff a little bit. Um, and then one day I, I, you know, I, I was thinking about coaching, but I coaching such a large like commitment and you have to be like really wired a different way to coach. Like those guys, like coaches are like grinding, like yeah. you're working all the time. You're recruiting all the time. Your livelihood in college football is recruiting. You're, you're, so it's like it's not a great lifestyle. Um, and I've always been a hard worker, but I just never never really appealed to me that much. Yeah. And one day, I get a call from a coach I know who who was my my strength coach in college at UMass is now the strength coach at ASU. So he calls me one day, and I'm like waking up to go to work, and he's like, "Hey, would you want to come coach at Arizona State?" And I was like, "Like, can I get some more details? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. like, what do you mean?" And he said, uh, we're looking for an assistant that can help coach the tight ends. And, like, I just think you'd be a great fit. And um, he's like, our offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, is going to call you. And um, so he calls me. We talked. And then the next day he, like, called me, offered me the job. And um, I decided to do it. And just literally, like, the blink of an eye, like, quit my job, <laughs> moved across the country, like, a week later. And I'd never even been to Arizona before and moved out here. That's crazy. crazy. I wouldn't even think politics for you to start. Yeah, it's kind of a strange school. thing. I I just like 
I kind of I knew a guy who was running for state senate and I started working for him and then it ended up just like he, we won so then when you win like people want to keep hiring you, yeah. you know? so it, it was just kind of a, a unique thing I've always liked politics I, I think I like the competitiveness of it like I don't love like policy and so right, I don't, right, right, I don't right. care about like I don't love like talking about like foreign policy and stuff right. but I love like just the competitiveness of like the campaign world you know it's really really interesting but um, yeah, I kind of took like a 180 and just got into coaching. Right. Right I mean, you kind of went back to your first love. You're not For playing, sure. but like you're helping develop and mold these yeah. young players and uh, also young men, I feel like. You're, yeah. you're building character off the field and at the same time, like you said before at the beginning, like yeah. you're recruiting these 15, 16-year-old kids that just think they're hot shit coming sure. in. And then they realize they, they just hit a brick wall yeah. and they're like, oh, I'm not good at it all. No doubt. Yeah. That, and that's what I really enjoyed about it. Like the ability to connect with these like young kids who are, who need guidance and like, um, who are going through a lot and just, you know, I felt like I was able to relate really, really well to them. You know, a lot of those guys I'm really close with and, and, um, I think viewed me as kind of like a big brother, which is kind of, you know, it's a little bit easier to talk to me about things when I was 25, 26 years old talking to them than it is to talk to like a 50 year old coach, you know, just because I, I lived what they were going through not very long, long ago. So, uh, it, it was, you know, it, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a really, really good experience for me. And, um, you know, I really, those relationships are like what I really value out of that whole time. Even the coaches I got the, I mean, like Herm Edwards, who's an absolute legend, yeah. you know, hired me and um, just a, 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 a ASU is a, a really cool place. So what uh, ended things for you? Just moving on to bigger and better things? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I left, I resigned from ASU about um, uh, probably about two months ago. Um, to pursue some other other like endeavors that I've always wanted to do. I mean, I've always been really interested in, in media, so I'm working on a couple you know media projects right now. Like you mentioned, the 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 show that I'm kind of starting back up that I had done before. I was gonna say you did it a few years back. I too. did it a few years back before I was coaching, and then um, I stopped it while I was coaching, um, and then got into the uh, and kind of getting back into it now, and kind of like going going all out on some of the media stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so starting back up, doing a bunch of interviews, kind of like what you're doing, but I'm more like going to be traveling around doing them instead of like a base studio. So um, just, just uh, you know, something that I wanted to kind of do and use some of my experiences and relationships I have with some of these athletes to kind of tell their stories, and um, which I think will be pretty cool. And, and working with a couple other companies and just got, got a, a few things in the works right now, which I'm excited about and kind of, um, it's been good to be able to, you know, when you're coaching, you're very one dimensional. Yeah. Like, that's all you can do, um, and I loved it. But you, you really can't, um, you really can't like branch out into anything else. So, uh, and I've always been really passionate about, really interested in like business and entrepreneurial things and investing and th- things like that. Um, media, even like the recent like all the cryptocurrency NFT stuff. Like I'm kind of de- diving into all these different fields, which has been really cool for me. I've always been a guy that like I like doing multiple different things. It's like something that like dri- like motivates me like um, it's hard for me to be like one dimensional and just one thing because I want to I want to have my hands in all these different uh categories so it's been exciting the last few months and I'm excited to kind of keep building this and I'm excited to get the show out and everything like, everything like I mean that. you're gonna be doing a lot of traveling it sounds for like sure. any yeah. any place specific that you want to hit up besides like Delaware and Jersey and yeah the um, usual. yeah I mean it, it's uh you know for traveling for the show obviously I just got to go wherever the wherever the guests are wherever yeah. I can can do it. I mean, but I, I love traveling. It's something that I, I enjoy. And, um, 
you know, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to explore California more now, now that I'm out on the West coast, you know, yeah. I never, I, I've been in California like twice in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd like to like explore that, that area a little more. I mean, I've seen all of the East coast, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not hard to get place. around, man. No Jersey, New York, Boston, all within four hours driving distance. Yeah. Take a train. Anywhere. Delaware, seven hours down yeah. South from Jersey. Like it's all right there. Yeah. Or like California, Arizona, Colorado. They're just like, those three states alone take up like all sure. of the East Coast. That, that that is the big difference I've, I've realized between like the East and West Coast is like the East Coast is just made to like get around everywhere. There's like trains. You can go from Philly to New York, Philly to DC, Harrisburg to Boston, all on like train rides. Yep. You know that it costs you like thirty bucks. Yep. You know we're here. You got to fly to LA to get to get to California. Oh, or, dude, I took a train to LA once from here. Really? It brutal. What was that? How like long ten was hours. That? Yeah, that's, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Ten, 10 hours there and back. I did it um, all in one day. Really? I went to it was Game Four, Red Sox Dodgers World Series, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Left like early in the morning here. Saw the game. Immediately went back. Ten hours each wow. way. I would never, ever, ever, ever suggest ten doing hours that. on a train. Well, what'd you do the whole time? Slept? I slept the way there for a couple hours, which was nice. And I was just listening to music and podcasts on my phone. And wow. the way back, I couldn't sleep at all. That's it was so uncomfortable. It was just <laughs> like a dedication. normal. It was like as if yeah. you were sitting on a bus too. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> a comfortable train. It was. It was brutal. It takes some serious dedication to do ten hours on the train. I love. I loved yeah. it that much. Back yeah, in the day. I would never do that again. <laughs> ever again. So like. Out of all the big things you got going on, anything that you can announce, or is it all under wraps? Well, right I mean, now? the the big one is just just the the show that I'm that I'm going to be yeah. releasing and um, working. I just hired on a, a um, production team, a company to help me produce it, and um, yeah, I mean, our first we're kind of working on like getting some of these guests going, but we've done three episodes already, haven't released them yet. Um, the first one's Kenny Pickett, who's a Going to be the first quarterback drafted in the, in my opinion, in the in the draft coming up here from the University of Pittsburgh. Um, Pat Frymuth, one of the top ten ends in the NFL. Going to go do Mike Kosicki, who's one of my buddies yeah. who, for the Dolphins. Um, working on getting a lot of a lot of big time guys on it, so that, that'll be that'll be cool. I'm excited to kind of um, go in. You know, we're doing it in their homes, so it's kind of cool to like actually be sitting in their living room right. and doing the interview and. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited about that and just kind of working on doing all that, that kind of stuff. And, and as you know, like with this kind of stuff, all the different content you get from the interview, you know, like all the different short form clips. And oh yeah, it's not just, following. it's not just like one big episode. It's like, not just the whole thing. Make it's not 10 just different thing. clips, put them out whenever sure. you want. So I'm excited about that and kind of building that thing up. And I think being in the sports media world is such an, it's such an interesting time. And one of the reasons I wanted to kind of dive into it because of really all the gambling money that's coming into sports. Yeah. Um, you have all these casinos and all these sports books coming in and dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into advertising. I mean, you have a gambling advertiser, right? That you mentioned. I mean, BetOnline.ag, BetOnline. ladies yeah, and shout gentlemen. Shout out, shout out them. So, but um, <laughs> give them a little plug there. Um, but but it, it is a unique time because all these gambling companies are pouring money into sports that they the money wasn't there before because gambling wasn't legal. So. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting, interesting space to be in right now, you know, and now all these NFL teams are having, the Cardinals are going to have a casino at their stadium. Yeah. I mean, you know, in most states, gambling's not even legal yet. So it just changes everything. It changes the whole dynamic of everything yeah. that we've ever known when it comes to either sports really and business yeah. in general. Yeah. Did you, have you ever done commentary? Yeah. So I did, I, I did, um, I still kind of do not, it's not really like my specialty. I'd like to do more of it. Um, for about for in the, in 2019, I did, um, I did color for, um, a couple of different networks, kind of 
wasn't like with one network. I was kind of like bouncing around, um, doing some stuff for, uh, I did some stuff for um, ESPN3, like ESPN Plus. I know right. you do some stuff with yep. ESPN Plus. Um, I was doing their like low level, like you know, like the Yale Harvard game, <laughs> right? Of course, <laughs> when they couldn't get anyone the else ones to do that, it. like 30 views, <laughs> yeah. So, I was doing that. I did, uh, I was uh, did some sideline reporting for like flow sports and stadium, so I was kind of bouncing around just learning. I mean, you know, it's it's fun and it's easy for me to talk about football, and it's something that like just watching football and like talking about it comes really natural to me, yeah. Um, but I, I like it, I mean, I like being on camera, it's 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 pretty easy. Like, I mean, you're obviously pretty good at it, you do the play by play by play stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm the guy who sets you up, yeah, and then no. you have to look really good, really. I mean, in from my experience, like having a good play by play is like, I mean, play by play is oh, the yeah. hard part, I mean, as you know, like. You can find color guys all over the place. Like, finding a good play-by-play, like, you got to know the names. Like, color guys can just jump in and say whatever they want. You know? Like, you guys actually know the sport. Yeah. So, it's like, we, oh, I, yeah, when that happened, like, you could have tweaked that a little bit where For I'm sure. just like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first and 10 <laughs> takes the snap. Yeah, colors Football's are, fun, though, to call. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It, it, it's one of, it's a big adrenaline rush. I, I used to, yeah, I love doing that kind of stuff. It was a, it was a fun time. I'm. I'd like to kind of get into it. You know, I'm talking to some people, some networks about doing some more in, in uh, you know, this coming uh, this coming season. So. Oh, that's good. We'll see. Because yeah. ESPN Plus, with everything, you can just one click of the phone. Like, it's easy. It's yeah. so, and almost every single NCAA um, affiliate is with ESPN Plus, yeah, I think, these days. for sure. Because I remember when I was in college, it was all on YouTube. And as soon yeah. as I left, they're like, ESPN 3, yep, ESPN 3, Plus. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But, crazy. yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy to think about where – technology and social media and content creation is going because like everyone has to get into it now yeah it's like it doesn't matter what profession you're in like if you're not promoting it's, it's it so it's funny so it's so funny you say that because um you had uh mike spangenberg on here yep. the, the founder of state 48 um you're rocking the shirt today um we were just talking the other day about how um about how really like every company is like becoming first a media company. Yeah. And that state, like we were saying, State 48 eventually will be a media company that sells t-shirts because you gotta, you gotta attract attention for your brand online yeah. and through TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all that. It's just, it's just crazy. All the attention's on but there. Do you model for them? Is that what that is? Is that, oh, <laughs> so I think when Mike, uh, who we were just talking about when he needs like a like a spare model, he just hits me up and I come and I come. Oh, and pose dude, that's for him. nice. <laughs> yeah, he gives me a couple bucks here and there. You know, uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily like a full time say forty eight no, model. But no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to put me on salary. Forty for that hours game. a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I got to leave here in five minutes. Uh, yeah. We got to shoot down. I'm trying Scott's to do though. a little. I'm trying to get him to pay me a little more for it. But yeah, no, it's 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 a it's fun. I don't How long are the company. shoots? An hour probably. Oh yeah. Dude, you get, I go peasy. in there. I go in there. He gives me some T-shirts. I throw it on, pose a little bit. I'm like, I don't know how to. They're like, they're telling me to like, give me like a good, like a like, give me your best pose. I'm like, what's? That? I don't know what my best pose is. They play you your know? favorite music in the background. Yeah, and like, get you going. They're telling me like, loosen up a little bit. I'm like, I don't know how to loosen, loosen up. The, loosen the shoulders, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm way too loosey stiff goosey. to be posed to be be a model. But yeah, it was. It, I did that. That that shoot that you showed up there. That was like a, that was a couple weeks ago. It was a fun time. Oh really? Yeah. He's got a great setup. I mean, he's got a great production really team. Yeah. He's got. Now, what, going on three warehouses? Yeah. The one in Mesa is going to open up here in May, I think he said. Yeah, he's a great example of, of you know, it's it's hard to get a clothing business to succeed. Yeah. It really, I mean, like what, what he's built with his partners, I mean, it's it's really it's really impressive. I mean, it, it's cool that you also see people like, I I see people wearing C48 all the time out here. I mean, it's, it's like they, they've really built a cool brand and 
um, you know, it's like I said, it's not not an easy business to be in to start up. You know, to have a startup business in. It's, no, like the clothing business is brutal. Oh my You know, God. but but they they've made it work and they're they're, they're they found it. their niche. They're killing state it. 48. I mean, there's a ton of state 48s out there. It's not the number 48. You got to spell it out. True. Legal yeah. reasons, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. But man, I, I mean, he's doing great work there. You're doing great work with your show. You have a uh, a dream person that you're looking to get on the show that you haven't really booked yet. Good question. Good question. I mean, you know, I, I'd like to, um, you know, m my start in this kind of show is going to be mostly football players. Yeah. Um, and then I'll probably evolve into like get doing some coaches, like big time coaches. And then I'd really like to get to the point, like kind of like, you know, you're talking to people from all different walks of life. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely going to start in like the sports world, but I'd love to get to the point where I'm just having conversations with people um you know all all over different fields it's just like anyone that has like a prominent story um so any one person i mean you know i mean president of the united states i mean whoever it is at the time you know i mean that's always a cool one um but just like you know if you can build enough attention around your show you kind of end up getting opportunities to interview guests kind of like how i i think i even i think i dm'd you on instagram yep. about when i saw that mike was on and um you know so Obviously, the better the show is, the more opportunities you get to, to talk to people and oh, tell, yeah. tell stories and things like that. So, um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't really know if I have a specific one, but just building it up to where you're able to get guests on that you want to get. Which you know? is awesome, yeah. you know? And it's a process when people want, sure. when people like When people are hitting you up to go on your show, that's when you know you built something that's pretty That's when you're cool. like, finally. <laughs> yeah, people are I got paying it. attention, yeah. man. I love like, it. literally, when I started it, I started in my basement in Jersey. Yeah. Uh, it was going to be a sports show. Like yeah. sports was like my only interest at the time yeah. six years ago when I started it. And then I've evolved from an 18 year old to now being 23. Mm -hmm. So many different, different experiences I've had outside of sports, outside yeah. of like just job, just in life in general mm -hmm. has piqued my interest in so many different things. So yeah. many different walks of life, you know, that, sure. that have awesome stories to tell. Yeah. I think that's probably my true passion at the end of the day is storytelling, yeah. whether it be in sports and film music we've come from a big music family you know yeah. like all of these things are kind of culminating now to where i can hold a conversation and i'm curious enough to ask questions to everyone in any walk of life which yeah. is something i did not plan on doing it kind of just happened i yeah. kind of just like let it go and it became its own thing yeah no, it's an interesting skill like to be able to talk to anyone from any walk walk of life you know no matter what the background is you've obviously shown that you can do it to be able to like you know, someone that was raised totally different from you or different background to be able to have a conversation is definitely it's definitely a cool uh, a cool skill and it's cool to be able to provide that kind of like content to like bring people together that never would have you know I probably would have never met you if it wasn't for this show right now if it wasn't for it. social media in exactly. general right yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't have known anything about you pretty cool like, tell yeah. me like where are you from where's that yeah. where's that oh yeah. Avalon New Jersey for sure. no, no yeah. way dude. Yeah. like literally I've never met yeah, anybody just, just else in the world media, yeah. I've never met anybody else yeah. in the world that has been in Avalon New Jersey yeah. besides me so that's that's very cool. <laughs> that we've yeah. been able to connect out here in Scottsdale sure. and have that connection. Yeah. So where can uh, the people find you as we wrap up this uh, yeah. edition? So, um, I mean, I'm all over social media on Instagram at Adam Brenneman, TikTok at Adam Brenneman 81, Twitter at Adam Brenneman 81. So I'm all over the place posting a bunch of cool stuff now. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, hopefully hopefully uh, this will this will be out there too and we'll see yes, some sir. clips from that. End yeah. of the day, I'll make you your clips. Uh, we got a model for Mike one of these days. For man. sure, yeah, he, he's got to have you in the model for me. I'm gonna he's, DM he's him always immediately. For models. Yeah. Immediately after this, I'm like, I was talking to Adam. He says yeah. you're looking for models. <laughs> for sure, I got a decent looking mug. It's funny. I'll bring I, my cowboy you hat. You look great. Yeah, it, it, I got a. It's funny because now that I did that shoot, 
I got a text today actually from like a, a coach I used to work with. And he's like, it was an ad that he's like scrolling through his phone and it was on like Facebook and it must've been an ad. It's like me like posing. And yeah. he said, he's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, Are you modeling now? <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a long story. Oh, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's under wraps. Sure. It's about to blow up. Yeah, no but doubt. I appreciate you coming on, man. We're yeah. going to have to do this again sometime appreciate soon. It. Maybe get Mike in here and get everybody here. We yeah, can rep yeah, some all the boys together. Yeah. Uh, but this was episode 503 of the podcast. This guy had to follow Magic Johnson. So all props <laughs> so, to you, my brother. But episode 503, we are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Another quick shout-out to State 48. Head on over to state48.com to get your apparel now. Zach, turn out the lights, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.